0: The message you are listening to is recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, at the 2018 Established Summer Training Project. More information about Campus Outreach Minneapolis can be found at cominneapolis.org. All
1: right, um, so. Um, before, before we get into the Q&A, there's actually one thing that we wanted to address really briefly. We, it was a question we kind of anticipated, you could say. You can say it that way. That's, yeah. Uh, but um, we're, we're answering proactively. So Colossians 3.18 talks about wives submitting to their husbands. And uh, we wanted to talk about that idea. So we have to be really careful Anytime we're talking about this subject, I mean, throughout the history of the church, the idea of submission has been used um, to justify mistreatment of women. Sometimes. 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 Yeah, not Sometimes. like every single, you know, last church in the history of Christendom. But, like, it, it has happened that um, that word and that idea has been used to mistreat women. So we, we want to be aware of that. And, I mean, sexism and abuse have crept into the church because of misunderstandings of what <coughs> submission means. So we definitely wanted to address it. Um, and it would make sense if like that, just knowing that that's in Colossians and knowing that that's something you're gonna read and study would be something that's frustrating or scary for um, the, the ladies in this room. So we, d- we didn't wanna let it go without saying anything about it. So yeah, Anne's gonna question. Yeah, so, um,
2: so I just think that that I don't know how you feel when you hear that word. Some people can feel like mm, when they hear the word submission because it feels a little weird, a little scary, or it just it doesn't make sense. And so um, we wanted to talk about when the Bible says submit, what it means. Um, and it's actually, we read a book last summer on gender, and there were like three chapters on submission, and they were kind of confusing and long. So it's, it's a, a lot of people have different thoughts on what it means, but a couple things that we think we really know that it means. Um, It's something that's done in a marriage relationship between a husband and a wife. So um, we're not talking about um, women should submit to men in general. That's not like a command of the Bible. All women should submit to all men. It's a call for wives and husbands. So I think that that's a really important thing to remember is um, it's not saying women are less than men, or women can't make decisions on their own, or women um, always need to listen to the men that are telling them to do something. That's not true at all, but it is a call between husband and a wife. And it's a tiebreaker, it's not a pattern of decision making. And what I mean by that is it's not saying, in all ways, the man has all of the ideas, the woman has no ideas, and the man decides everything. That's actually not what it's talking about either. Um, I think that it's more of um, a Coming under the fact that you want your husband to make an impact in the world, like Normal talked about, you want him to move towards need, and part of that movement is in your family. And so I think there's that it's more of um, it's more of a way that decisions are made, but not saying that a woman's voice or a woman has no power to make decisions. A woman can't have any ideas. It's a trend of a marriage. It's not. Um, a rule that says women have no voice or women can't be heard, if that makes sense. So um, it's not in between men and women. It's a call of wives to husbands. And um, it's something that you actually sign up for. So you sign up. Like, the scary thing about submission, and I mean, even, like, just the word in general, there's, like, it it just feels like slavery or something like that when you hear it. And I think that's just because of the way that it's used in other contexts, but um, this is a willing signing up to be married and to say, I trust this person, I trust this man, and I trust the way that he would make decisions, I trust the way that he would think about leading our family. And when I think about submission to normal, it feels like a really beautiful and exciting thing because I love him and I trust him and I married him and we picked each other. And so I just think that the call for wives to submit to their husbands, there's so much more that we could say, but it's a voluntary giving of who you are to the person that you picked, if that makes sense. And so I think the scariness of it comes when it's used incorrectly. And again, the call, um, the call of women is to come under someone who you love and who you trust and who you've chosen. And it's not something that's forced out of you, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know where I am. Oh, yeah. So um, the last thing about that word specifically, just in general when you read the Bible, I think that's something that I often do is I come to the Bible and think, this is what I already think, and I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm going to push aside anything that doesn't fall in line with what I think, and I'm going to love the things that are already what I think. And I don't think that's the way that it should work, because if we believe that God is real and that he's good and that the Bible is his word to us, If there's something in the Bible that doesn't make sense to me or I don't understand, I can't just brush it aside. I have to say, okay, God is giving me this. (laughs) Like, this is God's idea. And so when we look at a word like submission, it might be easy. I mean, honestly, I'm very opinionated. I'm very verbal. I'm very strong-willed. And so when I hear a word like that, I'm like, ah, no, thanks. Um, But if I think about it through the lens of God is good and he's loving and anything that he says I might not understand but I know at the heart it's good and it's because he loves us. And so if I see something in the Bible, submission or any other thing that I don't understand and doesn't make sense to me, I need to figure out what it means and how it applies to my life, not say I'm gonna reject this. And so I would just encourage you ladies and men in the room to say "If if this word or any other word in the Bible that doesn't make sense to me or isn't something I really like, I trust that God's good and so I'm gonna look at it and say Maybe do I need to change, or is there just a way that I don't understand it so I'm seeing it in a way that's not true? So that's a word about submission and just in general, when you read the Bible. But I, I promise that if something is God's idea, it's good. So that's all I want to say on the matter.
1: Um, and then i would just say a word to the fellas um, on this. like uh, just, <laughs> no, like if, if any of you have ever thought that the Bible, mean the bible intends to communicate that all women um that exist are supposed to submit to you in general that's just wrong that's that's not the case and even like subtle ways that you would believe that or subtle ways that that would creep into your thinking are are wrong and not the intent of the the bible so i think just be aware of that and, and try to understand that on your own and then i think the other thing i would say is if you're if you're really excited like oh i'm gonna get married and there's gonna be someone who submits to me like that that's not something you need to be anticipating like i'm going to have this power and it's going to be so great like that's that's something that's a responsibility it's a really sacred thing like like if you get married a woman is like entrusting her life to you in a really significant way and that's a really heavy weighty thing it's not this flippant um thing to think about so i would just say like keep that in mind like the as a husband, your job would be to be a servant leader and um, someone that would lay down your life for your wife. So it's it's not as though you're holding the submission card as like you have to listen to everything I say. Um, it's it's a tool that you can use to serve her, not not something that bu- builds you up. If that makes sense. So um, we just wanted to say that real quick. Um, now yeah, we're gonna. We'd
2: have if you had more questions about it, we'd love to talk to you. About
1: it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we're gonna open up the floor now for Q and A. So. Um, Yes. I,
3: I asked you oh. sure. and, yes. so
4: the, the thing that
2: you were just talking about, yeah. um, can, if, if people talk loud enough, do you think you can hear them? Yeah, I think no, it's mainly. Yeah. OK. Um,
3: yeah. Like, can you give an
2: example? Of submission? Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah, I think that like, well, first of all, I think it's before it's like an action, I think it's a heart attitude that says, like, I trust him so much. And if he is telling me strongly that something is good for our family, and I really, well, our family as in the two of us, I'm not expecting a child. Um, uh, I want to trust him, and and trust that he is for me and is for my good. Um, so I think that's like first of all, sort of a heart place that I want to be in before it comes down to like a nitty gritty decision. And I think that um, practically, what it would look like, I think that. Um, in life, when two people disagree on something, like, somebody has to give, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, if me and my friend are like, I, I want to go to Walmart, I want to go to Target, I want to go to Walmart, well, I want to go to Target, we have one car, like, somebody has to give. And me deciding that I'm going to submit to normal means I think if there's a tie, I want him I want him to take it. And that's and, and that, honestly, like, more of a heart thing than a practical thing because there are definitely times where we are fiercely on different places and he would say, "And you can take it on this one. So it's not even like, th- what submission means is that every time you disagree, the husband wins. That is definitely not what it means. But I think it means that I trust him on such a deep level that if he firmly believes something is good for us, I'm, I wanna be willing to, um, to let him go with that, if that makes sense. And I think, that's a practical which even sharing that i'm like oh that feels so like i don't know if i said that well enough but i think another thing is that i really believe that there is a sense of accountability that normal has with god um, as my husband and eventually if we have kids like the father of our family where he's accountable to god for our family and that's more of a framework that's set up in the bible you don't see that like as clearly now but i really think that if there's something wrong, like, say that um, we have a daughter one day, and she and I just do not get along, and it is a really rough spot, and there's so much I can do to um, move towards her, but I'm not moving towards Like, if there's just a lot of strife between us, I honestly think that if God were to step into the room, he'd be like, normal, can we talk for a second? Like, I think that there's something going on in your family. And um, even though I'm the one that's having the conflict with my daughter that doesn't exist, um, but... Um, but I think that when I think about submission, I don't necessarily think normal always wins. Um, but I think he is saying I'm gonna take the blame. Like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna stand before God and be responsible for shepherding our family. And so if he's gonna, if he's gonna stand before God, I'm like you, <laughs> you go ahead. And honestly, sorry, that was a joke. That's not how I feel when I when he wants to be. Um, well, he will stand before God. Um, no, I, I really—that
1: would be a really bad way. That wouldn't really be submission. That would be um, passive aggressive.
4: So.
1: <laughs> and then um, me or you, man? You're, you're the boss. <laughs> you, you're, you have the mic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, uh, but. Submission, for you? Yeah. Uh, um, I would say oh, this is hot. Um, so when we watched that video on Colossians, I don't know if you guys noticed, but uh, the phrase that they used in that video was, um, the wife will uh, allow the husband to become responsible for her. And I, I think that that's pretty good language. I don't know if I can fully endorse, like, it's a one-to-one, you know, bona fide translation submission, but I think it's a really good image. Um, so that's the first thing I'd say. And then the second thing I'd say is, I think that, you know, the application of this command is intended to be relatively rare. Like... Our default for making decisions is we want to get on the same page. Like if we disagree, my first instinct is not, you need to submit to me. My first instinct is let's get on the same page. And if we're really at an impasse, then maybe it would come to that. But
2: well, and oh, sorry. Um, I think that something that also really helps me is like this is supposed to image Christ in the church. So when when God calls you to submit to Christ, to submit to Jesus, there it's not a sense of like Jesus is this hard-hearted boss that just wants to win. Like, Jesus died for you. And even normal talked about, like, the call of a husband is to lay down his life for his wife. And so um, trust um, in Jesus and his heart towards me that is good allows me to give everything to him. Like, you can do what you want, Jesus. And I think that if this is supposed to mirror that, um, and normal is truly laying down his life for me, trusting him to make a call on something is really not going to be the end of the world because I trust that
4: he's laying down his life for me. So You kind of answered my question. I was going to ask how many times has that happened in your marriage? Because my guess would be relatively small. I mean, maybe for Sam and I, we've been married for 12 years, I think I went in the room. I think maybe five times. But I could say, like, clearly, it's come to the point where it's been, hey, this is a, this is a place to submit. Because it is more the work together unless Mm -hmm. there has to be like a tiebreaker in a a very significant decision but otherwise right before that it says uh you know submit to one another in love so there's like a broad principle of submission to all believers and then it gets more specific
2: and i think like one little asterisk is that i think there are cases where um marriages are in a really bad and dangerous place where um, a woman would be in the right to walk away and say I don't think, I think this is either disobeying God's law what you're asking me to do or putting me in such a place of harm that I would move out of that, that that's um, not what anybody's asking but I just I would always want to say that that like um, there would definitely be cases where I think God would say I don't think that would be a good thing
3: to submit to that so. Any other questions? Um, I don't know
2: if this
4: necessarily pertains to submitting in
1: marriage and stuff, but uh, what are ways men can appropriately lead in relationships?
2: That's really good. Carl's um,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just grinning ear to ear, snapping and looking around. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think you know, there's a lot of things I could say. Uh one one phrase that sticks out in my memory that is a is a lens I think through is um, John Piper says that what it means for um, a man to lead in a relationship is he's the one that says let's more often, L E T S let's, let's um, spell it out. But uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's kind of like the idea that I'm I'm in like a, there's a pattern of initiation in our relationship where more often than not. I'm initiating an idea of something we could do or somewhere we would go or something we would think about or talk about. And, um, so that, that's, that's like generally what it could mean. And I think it, it also means, I mean, just having a, having vision, having something that you're headed towards as a couple, um, and make like implementing ways that that affects your relationship. Um, planning is huge. Just like having, having a plan and, um, I mean, you have to have a plan before you can say let's. Like, that's not a spontaneous thing. Like, all the time. So, I would say those are some some brief principles for for how men can lead.
2: Were you asking specifically, like, in a romantic or dating relationship, or in a marriage? Okay. Does that kind of answer?
1: Okay. Yeah, and I think I think those um, those principles at
2: least can apply in dating. Engaging.
1: Well, I guess sorry, sorry. The reason I ask that is
2: because I think that like. Um, Again, just like women, and women aren't called to submit to men in general. I think that like when I think about being a woman yeah. and being a single woman for a long time, I think that like the fact that men's core desire, one of men's core desires, it would be that they would move and make an impact. Like I want to encourage that and celebrate that and allow that to happen, um, and be a woman that would encourage that. But I don't think that like there's a responsibility, and I think leadership is such a good quality for men and women, and it looks different. But I just think that um, there isn't a burden on single men to lead their single women um, friends. I think that like it, I mean, there's a call about to spur one another on towards love and good works, and I think that's a call that both men and women have for each other. So, and and obviously like you can. Um, be a leader and be an initiator and that can happen a ton as a single person but i don't think that it's the call or like the responsibility of a single man to say i have to lead all of these women um that would, that would be hard <laughs> would be difficult so which i don't think that's what you're asking that's why i asked if that's what you meant but. yes and um uh, which is your favorite joke to
3: do with
2: this woman? oh
1: no
2: <laughs> oh, thanks for asking
1: then what's you your favorite Charles Dickens? Uh, nice. Probably Great Expectations. Oh my. Yep.
4: That's awesome. Thinking about manhood, what
0: is what should be our proper response as men if and when we feel like we're following Jesus, but we don't feel like we're having an impact?
1: That's very good. Um so, uh, um, so, I think that, um, yeah, we, uh oh, repeat the question. Um, so, Carl asked, what what do you do as a man if you're following Jesus, but you don't feel like you're having an impact? You don't, it, it's not like, you don't feel like it's actually working that you're having an impact. Um, that's a really good question. And this is, uh, this is kind of, you know, like, CDs have like B-sides, you know, like the the, Songs that they make the cut. This is like one of the points that didn't make. I
2: don't make think
1: the anyone cut. here has ever played a CD. <laughs> 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 so when they were like little kids. That's you
2: all fault. But, uh.
1: I can't tell what's happening. Um, <laughs> there's general muttering. But, uh, one, like. I think that, um, Like, and we talked about this a little bit, but there's a sense that, I mean, the in Genesis, like when mankind falls, mankind is cursed. And one of the curses for men is that um, you're going to work the ground with sweat and it's going to be really difficult and it's not going to produce what you want it to. And I think what that's saying is you're not going to actually feel the impact you want to feel. So in a lot of ways, it's like this side of heaven, there's always going to be a struggle to feel like I'm not impactful enough, no matter what. Um, and then I would say, especially if you want to make an impact for the kingdom, that's even tougher because it's like, you can't see the progress, you know, it's like, if, if I want to, um, you know, I, i built a bike over the last month or so, and I saw the progress of it happening, but if I'm, you know, like trying to, in my discipleship group, I don't always see like a clear, like, this is progress, you know, so, um, it's, it's difficult with spiritual in, in the spiritual realm so it might be that you don't feel impactful but you know that you're following the one who can make an impact um, and yeah it's, it can be a tough road to, to walk at times but I think God gives you a little signpost along the way to, to encourage you and show you that you're making progress but it's not always what you expect or hope or want so
0: Peter yeah um, as far as like I guess especially at project but just in general like how can guys help girls feel seen like without it being like romantic? Platonic scene. <laughs> just the classic
2: platonic scene. Um, no I think that's a really good question. And I feel like I, I think most girls would say like that feels like a really loving question to ask. And um, it's interesting because at least in our story I feel like romance came out of really deep friendship and so that's not always um how it happens but um i do think that like understanding and knowing each other as friends is a really valuable thing and if you don't have that in a romantic relationship like it's just i don't know. the fact that we're friends almost feels more significant than the fact that we're i mean we're in love with each other but the fact that he's my friend honestly feels more important and so i think that like it's a really good thing to build habits of good friendship um, without secret motives or manipulative motives or I really like her, but I just, you know, I think that to say, I just want to care for you as a friend and um, I just think that's a really good thing. And I think that the Bible um, the Bible talks about like caring for each other, spurring one another on like I talked about earlier. So I think um, I think just talking to girls would be a really good first step. Um, I'm not saying you don't. Sorry, that wasn't a specific call out. Um, But I think just asking questions about who they are, like, what's your family like, Um, how do you like the project, Um, and and that seems like really basic. But I think that like a lot of times, like, it can be easy in settings like this to just sort of like joke around and like not really get to know each other. And so I think asking intentional questions about, um, what's your family like, what You know, what kind of a kid were you? Anne was a weird kid that read Charles Dickens. What kind of a kid were you? You know, I just feel like those kind of questions, um, I think, are at least those kind of questions make me feel seen. I don't know if any other staff women would add anything else, but. I think I just would remember every woman in this room is your sister, every guy in this room is your brother. We're family, so you, you see each other and you get to. Charles Dickens' favorite because we are family. This is we get to do this forever together. So part of the eternity starts now and seeing each other in the family now. So. <laughs> Any other Any
0: questions? Paul, uh, this is going to be a change of a little bit. Of, Ask. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> how, how do we engage with other people in a culture that sees gender on a spectrum or a choice? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh. Yeah. 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 So, really yeah. maybe I'll give just a, an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so I work with a lot of either transgender people um, and they introduce themselves as my preferred my name is Charlie, my pronouns are his, him, and he, for example. Um, So how do we as believers uh, engage with
2: people? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I mean, I think that, um, and I don't assume everyone in the room even agrees. I mean, I know that as the staff, we would have an opinion of what we think, but, um, and things that we would say in the Bible we think this is clear. But maybe people in the room might not even agree on this. So I'm going to share as, a campus outreach staff person. Um, but I think that um, I really believe that God created gender and that it's something that God gives us. It's a gift. And that um, it, it isn't a spectrum. It's um, like, we I mean, we talked about like two paradoxes. Like we're revealing a paradox about God. Um, um, and I just think that men and women reflect God in a very specific way. And I think to, to eliminate that would be a big loss. And not just a loss for, you know, I feel like a lot of times you're like, this is going to crumble society or whatever. And I just think more than that, like God's glory would be at stake because you would not see God's glory in the same way. But something that I think a lot about is how do I interact with someone that I think is doing something um, that I don't believe is God's plan. And I don't really lead with that thing. So if someone is, um, I don't know, if someone has murdered someone, that's okay, that's a really bad example, too extreme. If someone is, um, an, I, addict. I, an addict, yeah, yeah, if someone's an addict, they frequently, um, drink, say they're, say they're addicted to alcohol, I'm not going to introduce myself to them, and before I even have a relationship with them, start to tell them what I think about the matter. Like, hey, so you know, I'm against alcohol, I always will be, always have it. You know, I just feel like that's not going to facilitate a relationship at all. And so, if I meet an addict, um, I'm going to get to know them. I'm going to ask them about their family. I'm going to ask them about how they grew up. I'm going to talk to them about their friends. I'm going to get to know that person. And then at some point, I might say, hey, like, I noticed that you know you drink a lot. Um, is it an addiction? Do you think it's an addiction? But even then, I'm not going to press in with like an opinion until I feel like we are friends. And you might feel a call. There might be a specific situation in your life where you feel like we're not friends, but I feel this is from the Lord that I need to share with this person. But I just don't think that in an instance like that, especially with something that's such a hot topic in culture, I think if Christians lead with that, all it feels like is all you care about is me agreeing with you. And you don't like me. You don't even care about me. And so I just think when, when it comes to like hot topics in culture, I think that Christians can be really, including myself, can be really quick to lead with, I want to set up a line that we disagree here. So, you know, I don't want you to know that, I, I don't want anything that I'm saying to be miscommunicated as me condoning your lifestyle. And I just, I don't know if Jesus would do that. Now, uh, this is my opinion, so someone might disagree with me. But I just think that, like, um, with any sin in someone's life, I'm going to really want to know that person well before I'm starting to challenge, or, yeah, start to challenge them and then create a competitive conversation where we're arguing because I feel like you need to have connection and trust before you have competition.
3: So that's my thought. Can I ask a follow-up? Yeah, yeah. To that, because yeah. um, my older brother is trans, and it's like him and I have like this really odd relationship. Because one, I grew up like I wouldn't say in the church, but like as a Christian. Obviously, he went to church growing up, but right. like it's just like I really don't know how to interact with him as well on this, because, like, I used to be on one side where it's, like, I'll condone it, right. but, like, now, like, I just don't know where where, where to, like, really stand, because, one, he is my brother. Yeah, like, you love him. Really, yeah. like, he's been a big part of my life, but at the same time, it's, like, with what the church and the Bible says is, like, I always, personally, like, I've just come to realize that I didn't want to believe what the Bible said based on sexuality and gender because of, like, I was raised yeah But like now I'm like being torn from both ends like I don't know where to go yeah
2: and I mean I can just cry hearing you talk like I just feel like that is such a like that's a heartbreaking place to be and the thing that I would say there is that like I mean I said this about submission like when God has an idea it's like always a good idea but sometimes he has an idea and like the implications of that on your life are really hard and like I think about the idea that like um God commands you to be uh, another way that God talks about sexuality is God commands you to be celibate until you're married. And that's a pretty clear command in the Bible. And sometimes that's really hard. Like in the place that we live, in the time that we live, and it almost feels like gut-wrenchingly hard. And so what I would say is like, God is good and he loves you and he loves your brother. And he had a really good idea when he invented gender. And like If you want your brother to know Christ, there's nothing that would, like, God can save anyone in any situation. And so I don't think the thing that you need to be ripped apart about is necessarily that your brother is transgender, but that your brother doesn't know Jesus. Like, I have a brother who um, is an addict, um, was living in addiction. And um, for a while, I just was so torn up.
4: Like, I just wish he would get sober. I just wish that this would stop. And the thing that I started to realize is, like, God
2: doesn't usually change someone's beliefs about something and then save them like he saves them and then he changes them and so I think that like the way I would engage God over it is God I want my brother to know you and though how that plays out in the future if your brother were to trust in Jesus is a conversation down the road and um, that's maybe how I would think about it. and I feel that with you I had I mean I just felt like in agony over a sibling who I just wanted more than anything to trust in Jesus. Um, and God saved him. And so I just feel like that's the hope that I would want to hold out for your
1: brother. And um, I think one thing I'd add, I mean, I think that's such a good point, like focus on Christ because yeah, like like sometimes I can change their beliefs um, on an issue just <laughs> without any impetus, I guess. But um I think something I would add is is just that, um, like, oh, I just had it in my head. Um,
2: do you want to do a different question that you can think of? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Somebody's got a question. I'll, wall. Maybe like one to two more, because it's getting a little late. I think
2: you've both talked about
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, I think. Uh,
2: um, so basically, if if you get into marriage with expectations of being fulfilled, how do you, What is there anything that you can
1: do to prepare yourself for the reality that it isn't fulfilled? Would that be a way to, yeah? Um, so yeah, I think that one thing, I mean, uh, back in the day, uh, there was a couple on staff, uh, Matt and Lisa Reagan, and they would give a talk on relationships, and they would say. The one word we'd use to describe our marriage is disappointing, um, which that's depressing. But um, that's that's kind of like that, that's kind of how they thought about it. it and um, I, don't, I don't know that we're going to say that. But uh,
2: okay, this is what they meant. They didn't mean what about disappointment. I am so mad that I'm married. What they meant right. is there were expectations and desires yeah. that they had coming into the marriage yeah. that weren't met. Yeah, and so just, I
1: think that part of exactly. part of that is just. The nature of marriage, like um, it's, I mean, everyone has a longing for relationship, and then marriage is you know, you're not transported to the seventh heaven when you get married, surprisingly. So, um, there's always going to be disappointment involved. Um, so, I would say, I mean, just having that expectation in mind is, is really good, but also, like, um, Tim Keller gives this illustration, like, he says that um, you, like, a couple is like a bridge. Um, and marriage is like a Mack truck that drives over the bridge and all the cracks uh, expand and get exposed and it crumbles a little bit. And I just think that's par for the course in a lot of ways. Like uh, you're getting closer to another person than you've ever been. And inevitably sin will come out and you'll see things that you never knew were there. And that's, that's part of the beauty of it in a lot of ways. Like you see so much redemption, like as you see more of your sin, you just see more of how, um, Christ can can meet your inadequacies and needs so um, it is like a, a painful process but also a really joyful one because of the hope that we have in Jesus so
2: This is a really practical one but I think watch less romantic movies and get really involved in messy, real redemptive, beautiful friendships because when I think about some of my friendships in college like we fought and it was hard and she knew me for who I really was and didn't always like me, but then we would reconcile, and I, and I think that those things prepared me. Um, and, and I just thought, if this is a beautiful thing, it's a covenant. But if it's just an elevated, deep, messy friendship, I think I know what I'm getting myself into. And I still, there were still obviously things that I didn't expect. But I just think that um, I think that we actually kind of do ourselves a little bit of a disservice by elevating really simple, clean, romantic movies or books um, when you actually could get a really clear picture of what marriage is like by getting deeply involved with um, other broken people, so.
4: Hey, can I can I just add on that? Yeah, yeah, do you want the mic? No, no, be a part of a church. Like, don't, don't just, I mean, we have d-groups, you know, in college ministry where you're with all peers, but campus outreach is within the context of the local church. I mean, those of you who go to Garden City Baptist, you get a little glimpse of intergenerational ministry. And don't just be a spectator at the church that you go to. Get around families. Get around people who are not just in your life stage, who are married. And, you know, people in their 30s and in their 40s and in their 50s. And you're going to get all kinds of experiences and stories. And that's just the beauty of the church. And I think a lot of times you can stay in a homogenous uh, world in college and have fanciful ideas that then get shattered because you you just maybe have your family and that's it. Maybe your family wasn't a good family and then you've got other things to make you say, well, this will be better. But jump into the church. The church will help you.
1: Um, I remembered what I was saying earlier. Um, so with respect to the, the question how you would engage someone who um, is potentially transgender, I think that's something I would Go to is is to just talk about just have a discussion about stereotypes Um, because I think one thing that uh, in the way that we define both masculinity and femininity um, they in a lot of ways don't have a lot to do with stereotypes like there's nothing in the Bible is telling you that if you're a boy you gotta you know go out for basketball football and track you know there's like there's nothing um, in the Bible saying those things and so I think that um, if there's I wonder if And this could be presumptuous, but I wonder if part of the transgender movement is just a distaste of gender stereotypes, many of which are unbiblical. So I think that there is some common ground that you can have with um, people from that perspective. Maybe one, one more question.
2: So you're saying like, is there a literal seven day creation? Was the fall like a, an actual event? Yeah. Yeah. So would, would you say when you're talking about that group of Christians, would you say that that those Christians believe that there's sin? Um, yeah. Okay. Right. Right. So basically like evolution versus like a set, yeah, literal seven day creation. creation. Yeah. I think that there's tons of room to believe that we're fallen if you don't believe in a literal seven days. Um, and I think Christians are kind of all over the map with how did the world begin. But I think that even if the fall is a picture, um, even if the fall didn't happen, like you can't point to like a day, I think that you can like I think all Christians that, even Christians that would say this all happened, you know, it was a big thing, I think we would still agree that there's sin in the world. And so when we say the fall, um, what we mean is that we're broken. And that people don't function the way that God intended us to function. And so that's flowing out of a heart that's rebelled against God, rejected him, and wants our own way. So it doesn't necessarily have to be rooted in the first literal seven days of the world. Does anyone have a burning question? Yeah,
1: maybe one more burning question.
2: Contact.
0: <laughs> um I don't know how to word this one. Um
1: so walk like me a, through a again.
0: project. I, there's obviously like no room for like I don't know. There's like natural attraction between people. And how um. do you, uh, <laughs> 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 um, how do we attraction that I think oftentimes in society is directed in ways that can turn sinful very quickly, how do we take that same energy instead of like I, like kind of from your talk instead of just going, I'm just going to avoid that person entirely, mm-hmm. or I don't think there's a way I can interact with them healthy, like how do we use that energy I can't think about like, like when I go up on stage, like I get super anxious but I try and turn that into like energy to make the performance better so like, instead of taking like attraction, <laughs> instead of taking like the like this attraction, we might have to people here, and like, I think it's very easy for it to be corrupted, and like, I think a lot of times people we're naturally attracted to are also people who we can be friends with, but society and like our popular culture doesn't allow for friendship to come from that t- sort of attraction. It, I don't know if this is making sense. Yeah,
2: I think that. Like, if what you're asking is, like, how do you still engage with someone if there is sin present that could be a reason to avoid them? Like, say that lust is in the picture, or I think I could potentially be manipulative in this relationship, but I still want to see them as, like, a brother or sister in Christ. Um, Like, what if, you know, I, like, struggle with with thoughts in my head that I don't think are honoring to God, but I still want to love that person and move towards them? Is that kind of what you're asking? Yeah. Um, I mean I think that's a difficult question it's probably why I had a difficult time asking it but I do think like you have to focus on well I, I think it's important to remember what does the Bible command you to do and there's sort of a tension because there's verses that are like if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out so it's, I think there's really, I mean Joseph ran away from Potiphar's wife I think there really is a sense where like running away from sin or running away from temptation is a really good thing but I also know that we're called to spur one another on to love and good works, and so I think that's where maybe someone in your life that knows the specifics of it um, would maybe be a helpful because because I couldn't answer like hypothetically, normal could probably answer hypothetically, but I would say I would be gut level honest with someone in your room or a team leader or a staff person and just lay it out and say, this is what I think is going on. What what do you think? Um, because I think that's where the body of Christ is really helpful to say, I'm going to be honest with what I'm really feeling. How do you think I should walk in wisdom and um, and in fighting things that would pull me away from that?
1: Yeah, I think that's all really good. I'll just say one more thing and then we'll be done. Um, I, would, I would just say, in general, like, any relationship or person that you know, there's potential for sin. So if, like, your only impulse is, like, avoid relational sin at any cost, you're going to like live under a rock, and um, that's not what God intends for us because there's many commands to... Unless posi- you're know <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, yeah, <I'm> <laughs> Noah. Yeah, unless you're a child of Noah. But, uh, yeah, so there's... Um, and there's lots of commands to positively love people. Like It's not just like avoid bad things. It's like the Bible wants us to proactively pursue good things and pursue good, healthy relationships. So there's always a tension between those things. There can be a tension, but I think that, you know, life is meant to be lived with a degree of risk. Like it's not about, you know, having this perfectly sanitized, like risk-free environment. So I think part of it is like, you know, relationships are messy, friendships are messy. Like it, it is, um, it's difficult often to like fully parse things out like that. But I would, again, what Anne said, like specifics um, might be helpful in an individual conversation. Um, So, we'll be done for tonight. I mean, Ann and I will be around. (laughs) You you guys know that. So, um, if you have more questions, you can ask us. And, um, I mean, all the staff, people from all different campuses, I'm sure would have, I mean, I know would have just as good answers as we would. So, dialogue with um, staff that you know. I'll I'll pray to close this and then... Are there any announcements? We'll be done. Unless there's announcements. No? Okay. Father, uh, I thank you so much for these last few days. I thank you for how you've met us. I thank you that you are such a creative, unique God, and you made um, two genders that uh, are so different, and um, and you did that for your glory. You had a plan in view there. And um, God, I just pray that we would be men and women who reflect your glory in all of our lives and pay attention to the way that we were designed as we do that. I pray that you'd give us grace to walk with wisdom towards the world um and just as we wrestle through these things lord would you just meet us in a personal way and show us uh you know show us what what your plan is for us um and uh yeah i just pray for more conversations to come from this and um just beneficial insights to come so uh ask all these things in christ's name amen
0: Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the College Ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at clminneapolis.org.